Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. It's good to be with you all here today. Uh, I'm Aubrey's dad. And I've heard from so many women, they say, your daughter is a better preacher than you. And I say, well, she ought to be. She has all my material and hers too. Amen. So, but uh, it's so, you can have a seat. It's so great to be here at Awaken Church today. And uh, pastors Charles and Tess, you guys are amazing. Such wonderful, life-giving, sweet, humble people with great shoes. I mean, it's a great combination right there. And I was texting uh, Pastor Jurgen and Leanne uh, this morning and uh, letting them know how I feel about them. And, and uh, I said, I wish that I could truly put to words how I really feel about you guys. You know, it, it's been said that it's our responsibility as believers to carve out the most satisfying life so the people who look at our lives will be drawn to the kingdom. Amen. And when, when you look at Pastor Jurgen and Leanne, they live this gregarious, huge life, full of joy and full of hope and full of faith and full of generosity. I just love your, if I was in San Diego, this is the church I would attend. I wouldn't even go to my own church. I go to this church right here. So I, I know you all love your pastors. Amen. They're amazing, amazing people. Pastor Jurgen called me last week and said, would you come preach at Awaken Church? I know you're on your summer break. Would you come this weekend? And he said, I'd like you to do the message you did a few years ago that really touched my heart. And I said, well, I have a patriotic message. He goes, don't do that one. Do the one that really touched my heart. And I was surprised that he even remembered the message from three or four years ago. But I want to talk to you this morning about, on the subject of destined for goodness sake. Destined for goodness sake. You, you are destined for goodness sake. Now, to get this message rolling this morning, I want to read you the bio of two individuals. And they're going to ask the question, who is it? And you're going to respond. And if you get it right, there's a big payday for you. Massive payout, okay? So be thinking hard. First one's very difficult. So I'll read. Here's a bio. He was born the son of a Lutheran pastor in 1875. He became an acclaimed organist and worldwide authority on Bach by the time he was 30. Later, he, learned, he earned doctorates in theology and philosophy. In 1905, he enrolled in medical school so that upon receiving his degree, he would no longer have to, quote, merely talk about the religion of love, but put it into practice with his hands. In 1913, he and his wife moved to Africa to build a treatment. Wow. Even before I got to the end, that's correct. Dr. Albert Schweitzer. Give him a good hand. Wow. And for you, you get a big payday. That is for you right there. God bless you. Wow. Second person. She was born the youngest of three children in the former Yugoslavia in 1910. And you can't yell it out anymore. You've you got your quota, all right? You come to America and take all of our prizes. 
she became a high school geography teacher and was promoted to high school principal in 1944, but her career was uh, ended because she contracted tuberculosis. In 1948, she started a school for young children in the slums, and she combined teaching and medical care to nurse them toward health. In 1950, she rented a house with her own money so that people who were dying in the streets of Calcutta, India, could die with dignity. She received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979 and died a household name in 1997. Who is she? Mother Teresa. So many got that payday, so that was, that was an easier one. This is a much smaller payday, all right? So you get a payday, and you get a payday, and you get a payday, and you out there get a payday. I feel like Oprah. You get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, you get a car, right? Now, we're having fun, but here's what's so amazing about these two individuals. Our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren are going to know the names of these two people far into the 21st century for the simple reason that they were so extraordinarily good. These two individuals are not going to be remembered for their attainment of wealth or power or because they built industries or armies. They are going to be known because they decided that their daily job description was going to be to get up out of bed every single morning and do good until the very last day on this earth. And in so doing, they inspired millions of people around the world to higher levels of goodness. So here's the big question I want to ask this morning. Will we as a human race ever produce the likes of these two individuals again? Will there be a man or a woman who rises up in the 21st century, just like they did, to set new levels of goodness in this dark and fallen world? Well, did you know the Bible tells us that every generation ought to produce some people like Albert Schweitzer? Or like Mother Teresa? Now, some of you hear that and say, come on, where does it say that in the Bible? Does the Bible really say that we should be challenging ourselves to rise up to brand new high levels of goodness? Well, Solomon said it like this in Ecclesiastes 3. There's nothing better for people to do than do good while they live. Jesus said it like this. Let your light shine bright before men so they can see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The Apostle Paul said in Titus 3.8, all who trust in God should devote themselves to doing what? Good. The Apostle Paul also said in Galatians 6, 9, and 10, let us not grow weary of doing, say it, good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do to everybody, especially those in the household of faith. Now, these are just a few of numerous passages in the New Testament and the Bible in full that tells us that all of us should be setting our sights to new levels of doing good. But now I want to make a confession to you here this morning. When it comes to me setting my sights on being Mother Teresa-like or Dr. Albert Schweitzer-like, sometimes when, I, when my head hits the pillow at night, I feel pretty good about myself if I just avoided being a jerk at some point during the day. How many can relate? I mean, if I stifled myself from saying something mean, or maybe if I didn't give the, the, you know, the number one sign to the driver when they sin against me in traffic, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, sometimes I expect the, a divine marching man to play for me if I just didn't bring reproach upon the kingdom of God. I was uh, flying back from Boston, Massachusetts um, several months ago, and uh, I preached five times this morning. I was worn out. 
I knew I'd be preaching five times, so months earlier, I went online, and I booked the very best coach seat I could on the airplane. It's the one that had no seat in front of me, you know? And I was really excited about that. Most of the time, I get bumped to first class because I fly so much, but in the event I didn't, I was going to make sure I had the best seat in coach. So I was worn out. I get on the airplane, and I walk to my seat, and I turn, and there's a man sitting there. And I said, sir, I think that you have my seat. And he goes like this. I said, sir, I, I think you, you have my seat. I showed him my ticket. He just goes. So the, the, the airline attendant came by. She said to me, sir, you need to sit down because you, we want to push back. I said, ma'am, uh, I think that this gentleman has my seat. And he's going. And he said, she said to me, sir, uh, I helped him board the airplane. And uh, he's actually from Mexico. He doesn't speak any English. And he was here visiting his son, who's attending Harvard University. I said, well, that's sweet, but he's in my seat, you know? And he's going. And so I had two thoughts across my mind. Number one, I, I was responsible. I went online two months ago and reserved that seat. And this is the thought that crossed my mind. Look at you sitting there smiling at me and nodding at me don't know any English. Give me a break. I'll give you something to frown about right now. That's what crossed my mind. But you would all be so proud of me because I went back and sat in his seat, which was the middle seat between two fleshy people. And I sat there and I sinned silently for five hours on the way back to Phoenix. Now, some of you say, Luke, you should be more spiritual than that. Well, you're not all that lily white yourself. Amen. Now, after I got over my pity party, this is a thought that crossed my mind. You know, I'm a pretty good man. I'm a very good person. Because not many people would allow that man to sit in their seat like I did. But here's the deal. Giving up my seat under, under duress was, is not the goal. Okay? Uh, avoiding meanness or stifling what I really want to say is not the goal. The goal is that we become people who are so good. And so filled with kindness that we'd someday reach Mother Teresa levels or Dr. Albert Schweitzer levels or, dare I say, Jesus Christ levels of kindness and goodness. And some of you are thinking right now, is that even possible? Is it possible for ordinary people like you and me to attain Jesus Christ levels of goodness? Is it possible for you and I to live our lives in such a way that we make a difference in this world by being good to our world and in so doing, experiencing the blessings and favor of God upon our life? And if so, how? How do we do this with our ordinary lives? Well, in the time that remains this morning, I want to answer just three questions about the power of doing good. How, how to attain these levels of goodness in a very practical way. And then I want to give the Holy Spirit time at the end to speak to you about your life and the power of doing good in your life. So here's the first question. Why? Why should we do good? Why should we commit our lives to doing good deeds? Why should we break ranks with so many people in the culture around us whose objective is good times and not good deeds? Here's the answer. It is God's destiny for you to do good. God has a purpose for your life, and his purpose is for you to do good. All of us here today who call ourselves by the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ, we should commit our lives to higher levels of goodness because it's God's destiny. 
And I can prove it in the Bible. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good what? Works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In advance for us to do. When was advance? Well, Ephesians 1.4 says he chose us before the world was created. So God sat around before he created the world. He saw your life. He saw your home. He saw your path. And he made opportunities along the pathway of your life to do good. And he wants you to walk in that destiny. So for just a few minutes here today, I want to challenge your brain and, and try to get you to grab a hold of something that's so powerful. It's so life-changing. If you can just Grasp a hold of it here today. You know, one of God's great delights is the act of being good to his world. In fact, all throughout the scripture, we are told that God is good. And one of his great delights is he loves to pour dump truck loads of goodness out upon his world. Going back to creation, God could have created people and put them in non-blessed black and white little cages. But he didn't do that. He created a mag magnificent world for us, filled with oceans and rivers and streams and mountains and valleys and hills and beaches. And when he created it, he said, it's good. I create a magnificent place for the people I love. When he created human beings, he could have made us obedient little robots, but he didn't do that. He gave us magnificent bodies with awesome intellects and sensitive hearts and a will to choose to do good or evil, to love him or to reject him. And when he finished, he says, it's good. I made magnificent people who, who can do great things with their lives. And then when it came time for God to do the best thing he could ever do for us, which was to forgive us of our sin, to redeem us, he chose the very best thing that he had, his son, Jesus and he asked him, he chose him to be a sin sacrifice for us so we can be redeemed, so we can be forgiven, so we can have sin removed from us and also God's presence and goodness injected into our spirit. God is a good God who's always enjoyed pouring goodness out upon his creation. And what the apostle Paul is telling us in Ephesians 2 is that God is still committed to this day to pouring out dump truck loads of goodness on this world. But now he has a new plan for doing that. What's his plan? Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God still wants to touch people's lives, and he does, through you and through me. Which is why Mother Teresa once said, we are the hands and the feet of Jesus. The good that God wants to do in your neighborhood, in your workplace, at the Starbucks you go to, he wants to do through you. And when you do that, you step into your destiny. You become the hands and the feet of Jesus. Are you still with me out there? By the way, this is the whole purpose of the church. The church was never meant to be only just a location that exists to come and listen to sermons and sing songs and build community. We have a destiny. There are good works that God planned in advance for us to do. And when we do them, friends, we fulfill our calling. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus. And when we exercise that out in the world, we fulfill our great destiny. So I just want to just map this out for you real quick. You know, I'm a fantastic artist, by the way. I don't want you guys to miss this. This is going to be really good. So we start off in life 
on the road of life. And the Bible says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And most people start off drifting in life. Can you all see that over there? We start off drifting in life. And so we, we're on this constant quest to find it. There's that it factor that'll make me feel so fulfilled and full in life. And so we figure, you know, if we can just get a good education, maybe that'll be it. So we go to school, we go to college, we graduate, and it's wonderful. It's a blessing, but it doesn't fill that void. And so then we think, well, if I can just get a great career, maybe that'll fill the void in my life. And so we get a great job. We start making a little bit of money. And we quickly learn that those things still don't satisfy so we say, well, maybe if I just find the right person in life to date or to marry, we find a, a great spouse, and, and it's a blessing to have a great spouse, but truly that doesn't solve that, that void in our life. And these things are wonderful things in and of themselves, but the only problem is they just can't fill the void. They'll never do it. Well, this person keeps traveling down the road of life, and maybe it meets a person at work, and this person is a Christian. And they start doing some reading about faith. And they start coming to church with this person. And as they sit in church, they hear messages about the truth. And the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them. And all of a sudden, they come to this moment in life where they finally cross over the line of faith. And when they do that, they experience the forgiveness of God. And the presence of God fills their life. And all of a sudden, they start thinking like God thinks. And they have this uh, security factor that when they die one day and they go to here's a cloud over here of heaven okay and they die one day and they go to heaven you know uh, they, they had that security of knowing that things are all set in place it's wonderful now here's my question when this person crosses over the line of faith and becomes a christian why doesn't god just kill him right then if heaven is so great why, why doesn't God just take them to heaven immediately when they cross? Let me put it this way. If you are a Christian in this place today, you know, why are you still sucking air? <laughs> Honestly. Why aren't you six feet under and pushing up daisies, you know, worm food, whatever? Because God still has a lot of good works for you to do between this point and this point. And when you do the things he predestined you to do, guess what? You are fulfilling your destiny. So, you know, I was on, in this big hiking accident two years ago where I broke my femur and my hip and all these bones, and the boulder never got to my head. And it was a miracle that I lived. And when I finally got out of the hospital, people you know, started sending me texts and saying things like this to me. Boy, God still must have a lot for you to do on this earth. But friends, understand, if you're alive and sucking air and walking around on this planet, it's because God still has a lot of stuff for you to do. And that stuff is greater than just chasing all the temporal things of this world. He has good deeds he's prepared in advance for you to do between this point right here and your final day. And when you do them, you're living out your destiny. You're living out your calling. That answers the why question. Why do good deeds? It's your destiny. And you become the hands and feet of Jesus Christ on this earth when you do them. Second question, where should we be doing all these good deeds? Now, some of you might say, well, that's obvious in, in the place, religious places where I go every single week. But I want you to think differently about it. 
This is going to help so many of you who are trying to figure out God's plan for your life because you work outside the church. You know the story of the Good Samaritan. Man's walking down a, a road one day. He gets pistol whipped and, and mugged by some thieves, left to die on the side of the road. But then two religious figures walk by. They see the man, but they cross over on the other side of the road. They want nothing to do with this hurt man. A third man comes along, and he decides he's going to do good to this guy who has been beaten and left to die. He washes, washes and bandages his wounds, loads him on his donkey, and takes him to a hotel and pays the bill. And I think this story teaches us a very important lesson about where we should be doing all these good deeds. Here's the answer. Wherever you are, where good needs to be done. Wherever you are, where good needs to be done. So let me just show you some more fantastic artwork here. All right, where's my marker at? You're going to be really impressed now. That's the United States of America. Someone said, it's a cow. No, it's not a cow, all right? I live right here in Phoenix, Arizona, okay? So before I came here, I had to fly from Phoenix all the way to Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, if Jesus Christ were coaching me, which he is, and I asked Jesus, where should I be doing all these good deeds you've called me to do? He would say, well, where are you? And I'd say, well, I'm in Charlotte. He would say, then I want you to do good deeds while you're in Charlotte. Well, then I had to fly all the way back to Los Angeles, okay? And so when I got to Los Angeles, I asked the Lord, where should I do all these good deeds that you've destined me to do? He said, well, where are you? I said, well, I'm in Los Angeles. He said, well, do good in Los Angeles, okay? Then I had to fly over to Albuquerque, and while I was there, I said, well, Lord, where do you want me to do the good deeds? He goes, well, where are you? I said, I'm in Albuquerque. He said, do good. Am I going too fast for you? Are you all catching this here today? All right. All right. Uh, some of you are saying, well, Luke, this seems so elementary. But I think we need to see it mapped out sometimes. Because sometimes I think we believe that in certain environments, we need to be at our best and be looking good and worshiping good and doing good deeds. But in other environments we're in, all the, all the claims of Jesus Christ are off and we can live how we want to live. And just do what we want to do. And Jesus said, what is so extraordinary about this good Samaritan is he was willing to do good along the road of life. He was willing to do good wherever he went in life. You know, my, my dad is my hero in life. And we were down in uh, Lakeland, Florida for a board meeting for Southeastern University. And we had to drive back to Tampa Bay and had a rental car. So I had to stop and fill the car up. I don't know Tampa Bay. And so I got off in a on an exit, and it was a very, very rough part of town. And so I pull into a convenience store to fill the, to fill the tank up, and I, I walk inside, and when I walk back outside, my dad is not in the passenger seat. Now, I'm like, what happened to my dad? I go over and grab a gas nozzle, I'm pumping gas, like, where in the world is my dad? In the corner of the parking lot, 
I saw a car with a, with a hood up. And there's a gigantic man. He's a black man. He's like six foot six. I mean, he looked like Mr. Atlas, 2% body fat. And he, this is the South, so he's wearing overalls with no shirt on underneath it. And I thought, man, this guy is the incredible Hulk. It's amazing. And my dad is over there with his hand on, on his back. My dad knows nothing about engines and about cars. I'm like, what is he doing over there? And pretty soon, I, I saw my dad put his hands on him and just begin to pray for him. And then he reaches in his pocket, and he, he gives the man something. And so I'm watching all this. Dad gets back in the car. I said, Dad, you scared me. What was going on? He, goes, he said, I, I saw that man over there working on his car. I just felt led by the Spirit to go over and just talk to him. And he can't get his car started. He thinks it's a bad battery. He said, I know nothing about engines, but I do have some money. And so I offered to buy him a new battery, gave him some money for it. And at the end, they both embraced and they hugged each other. And I thought to myself, that's the power of doing good wherever you are. You know, we can, we can do good wherever we are. It's our destiny. When you go home in a little while, do good there. Do good things to your spouse and your kids. When you go into your neighborhood, do good in your neighborhood. Bless your neighborhood. When you get up on Monday, don't say, good Lord, it's Monday. Say, good Lord, it's good morning, Lord. Amen. I'm going to go to work today and be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. When you go to church, do good there, especially in the household of the Lord. And friends, as you do this, you're fulfilling your destiny. So we have the why of doing good. If you're a Christian, it's your destiny. It's why you're made. We now have the where of doing good wherever you go, where good needs to be done. And then finally, how do you do the good that God wants you to do? Well, this is very simple. You do it as the Holy Spirit leads you. You be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Some of you are like, Luke, that doesn't really help me a whole lot. Can you be a little more specific? And I can't because there's this wonderful, marvelous, almost mystical ministry called the Holy Spirit who wants to make life exciting for us, adventurous for us. And one of the most amazing things about the Christian life is the guiding, whispering, prompting power of the Holy Spirit who said to the good Samaritan, you know, uh, who, who saw the beat up guy on the side of the road, this is a good work that God wants you to do. And I want you to do it now because this is where you are right now. Those were specific orders for that guy. And he did them while the Holy Spirit led. I did this message about four years ago at our church. And there's a group of business guys who meet once a month at a certain restaurant around town. And they meet just for fellowship and for prayer. And one of the guys, the leader, when he heard this message, said, we're going to change our meeting time and do something I believe the Holy Spirit has led me to do. And there's about eight or ten guys who meet for lunch every month. He said, I want you all to bring an extra $100 bill. And we're going to choose a different restaurant every month and ask the Lord to lead us. And when we go there, we're going to put all those hundreds together, and we're going to bless that waiter or that waitress. We're going to surprise them with the goodness of God. And for three or four years now, they've been doing that. Listen, all throughout the course of your day, the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you about how to do the good deeds that God has destined for you to do. And if you will simply be dialed into his voice and respond... 
then you get to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. It's a powerful, powerful thing. I'll just close with the last story. My wife and I used to live uh, in Whittier, California. We were going to see a movie up in La Habra. And uh, we had dinner with a few friends. We were walking down the street. The movie theater was right across the street. And uh, I'm just walking, talking to my friends. And Angel, is go- she's gone. I have trouble losing my family, as you can see. She's gone. Like, where the, where the heck's Angel at? And I look across the street. She's running across the street because there's a special needs little boy. And he had his theater outfit on. He took tickets, you know, for the theater. And these two bully teenagers had stolen his hat. And they're kind of throwing it back and forth, playing keepo. And he's running back and forth and trying to get his hat. Angel saw all this in a moment. You got to know my wife. She is a pistol. She's got an activistic streak in her that scares me sometimes. And she runs across the street, and she's putting her finger in this teenage boy's chest and backing him up. You give him his hat right now. She grabbed that hat and gave it to the special needs boy, kind of dusted him off a little bit. I thought about that story. And I reflected about on what really happened in that moment. Follow me now. There are seven billion people on planet Earth where there's wars and famines and natural disasters and all kinds of junk going on in our government. And while all this junk is going on, here is our good God in heaven. And he sees one of his frail, special needs sons who's being picked on by a couple bullies. And God sees one of his activistic, you know, almost off-hinge daughters, you know. (laughs) And he taps her on the shoulder and says, I want you to do something. And because Angel was dialed in to the Spirit of God, dialed into the Holy Spirit, she runs over there, rescues the young boy, and in so doing, she becomes the hands and the feet of Jesus. She fulfills her destiny on this earth. (laughs) Friends, If you buy this sermon today, if you buy the word of God, you have to believe that our good God had it in his heart and his plan to help that special needs young man get his hat back. He just needed one of his daughters to be listening to him to get the job done. And Angel was listening. When she acted, she stepped into her destiny. And she became the hands and feet of Jesus. What an unbelievable good God we have who cares for the one in need and will even redirect one of his daughters to help another one of his kids. Oh, friends, look at me. These hands and feet of Jesus are powerful, powerful things. So why do good? It's your destiny to do good. Where do you do good? Wherever you are, where good needs to be done. And how do we do good? However, the Holy Spirit leads. Would you all stand to your feet for a closing prayer? I want you to dial in for the next two and a half minutes because I really believe the Holy Spirit has one more thing he wants to say to you today. Are you still with me? I thought about how to end this message today. And I think if Jesus Christ were here in the flesh and blood, he's here by his spirit. Can you sense him here today? But if he's here in the flesh and blood, I think that he would end this sermon by putting this towel on his arm. One day, 
he washed the feet of his disciples. Then he said these famous words in John 3, 17, now that you have seen what I've done for you, do this for each other. And as you do this, as you do this, you will be blessed. You will live a blessed life. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand about something in just a moment. And it's directed to you, not, not your spouse, not your friends sitting around you. So forget about them. This is about you and God right now. I think Jesus, if he were doing this sermon, he would hold this towel on his arm and he would say to you, are you willing and ready to take up the towel-bearing lifestyle? Are you willing to live this way? Understanding that it's your destiny to live this way. That's why I made you. And you can do it wherever you are. And you can do it as you're led by my spirit. Friends, for what it's worth, I've never seen anyone ever drift into the towel-bearing lifestyle. These things happen when we make decisions in moments like this, that this is the way I want to live. I want to live my destiny. I want to do it wherever I go. And I want to be led by the spirit. So I'm going to ask you to raise your hands in just a moment. And the question is, are you willing from this day forward, as the Holy Spirit gives you power, to take up this towel, realizing it's your destiny, you do it wherever you go, and you let the Holy Spirit lead you. If that's you, if you're making that decision today, I want you all across this place to raise your hand real high right now, saying, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to live my life. This is how I want to please God and fulfill my destiny in life. Praise God. Praise God. Just, give it just one last call. Raise your hand. That's you. Just, just raise it high. Be bold. Be bold. Okay, you can put them down. God bless you. If you're a Christian today and you did not raise your hand, I'm going to pray that insomnia strikes you tonight. I'm serious. I am going to pray the Holy Spirit makes you restless and that you wrestle with this issue until you can finally say to yourself, I'm ready to take up the towel because it's why I'm, I'm, a, I'm here. It's my destiny. And I'll do it wherever I go. And I'll do it as the Spirit leads me. Because what's the alternative, friends? A life of self-obsession. If you live that way, your world will get smaller and smaller. It'll shrink tighter and tighter. So what do you say? Let's all take up the towel. Some of you are saying right now, I, I wish I could do that, Pastor Luke, but the truth is I can raise my hand, but I'm not going to do it. Well, the reason why you feel that way is because you don't have a heart to do it, maybe. And the good news is God is a heart specialist, and he would love to do heart surgery on you, on you today give you a brand new heart, a heart of flesh, a heart that beats for the things that his heart beats for. He would love to do that work in you today. So right now, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And if you'll say, Pastor Luke, today, the, the picture that you painted is truly the picture I want to live out with my life, but I, I don't have it in me right now. And I need God to change my heart and give me a brand new heart. When he does this, the Bible says the old goes away and the new comes. He gives you a brand new propensity in life to want to do right, to want to serve people, to find your fulfillment in those things. So while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you say, Luke, today is my day. I, I just want a new heart. I want my life to matter. I want to walk in my destiny. 
If that's you, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, just put your hand up and down. I'm going to pray for you. Just raise it right now. Just up and down. Thank God. Yes, thank God. I see those hands. Thank God. Yeah. Thank, thank God. God bless you. How many others? Just up and down. Amen. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. Now, I want to lead you in prayer. The Bible says that we must confess with our mouth and believe with our heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again. So would you say these words right from your heart to God today? Just say, Heavenly Father, today I give you my heart. And I ask you to give me a new heart. You said in your Bible, if I would ask you, you would forgive me. You would save me. Give me a new heart. And so today, I confess my sin. I'm sorry. Would you make me clean? Thank you for forgiving me. Today, I become a follower of Jesus. And I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.